Hi, I'm Jennifer Stewart, and I'm the President and CEO of the Canadian Independent Petroleum Marketers Association. Canada is changing, and so are the sectors that support it. On Pump Chats, we're taking a deep dive into what Canada's most prominent fuel and convenience companies are doing amidst a pandemic, how they're innovating to be sustainable, and we'll also be speaking with sector experts to get some crystal ball predictions. Buckle up and get ready to hear how our fuel and convenience sector is making waves on Pump Chats. Today on Pump Chats, I'm so pleased to be speaking with Bob LaRocque, the new president and CEO of the Canadian Fuels Association. Bob is a longtime leader in the association world and is spearheading the CFA's Driving to 2050 plan. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm glad to be here. So, Bob, coming to the petroleum retail sector from the forestry industry, what's your vision for the CFA? Yeah, no, that's a very good, uh, interesting Time, Jennifer. I mean, for me, the CFA is, was a really good organization to start off with. But with all the changes in climate change, and I think the way with with COVID now about media and the importance of communicating with uh, Canadians, I think one of the things I'm looking forward for the association is to be a little bit more outward public facing. Right. And I think, uh, you know, very good. Uh, working with governments, but I think we need to be more out there sharing our message of uh, of our sector with Canadians. And, and Bob, how are you going to plan to do that? Because obviously that doesn't, you know, happen overnight. It's it's a strategy and it takes a number of tactics over time. Kind of in, in your mind, what's the vision to achieve that more outward persona for the CFA? Because you're absolutely right. From a government relations perspective, CFA has been extremely active for a very long time and has a very strong reputation. But I love the idea of being more public facing as well. Yeah, so there's a lot of tools, Jennifer, but just to start for me is we need to have something to say about something that's relevant. And, and I think that's why we we launched our drive into 2050. I think uh, climate change is, is one of the biggest challenge of our time with the pandemic. And and we needed to, to have something to say about it, where we stand. So we started with that last Tuesday, and now it's about using all the tools in our arsenal. So either it's uh, social media and videos, it's doing a podcast with you today. It's doing the typical uh, news interview and outlets, um, mm-hmm. but also the critical one for me will be with partnering with other uh, groups on the supply chain, right? Uh, like SIPMA, for example, where the two of us together, we can be pretty creative on how to reach Canadians uh, due to our retail sites. So I'm very interested and in, in looking forward to that. Absolutely. And on behalf of the association, we're you know really excited to uh, continue to work with you. You released your Driving to 2050 roadmap or, or plan last week and received a lot of attention for it. Can you speak to me about what's in this plan and how it really defines the strategy for the sector as we, uh, as we move forward? Yeah. Well, I think the number one message we wanted to share in the plan is we believe that transportation energy fuels uh, will be there for decades to come, at least till 2050. Uh, and the other important message is that the, the transportation modes are very important, be it uh, light duty vehicles or heavy duty vehicles, but also marine air and rail transportation. Um, and each for each one of those, we'll have different solutions that will take us to 2050 and enable us to reduce our GHG emissions. Right. Uh, so the report shares those 2050 vision, if you want, of the potential, what the, the energy mix will look like. But then we also go into uh, thematics like the production of low carbon fuels, 
working with the vehicle manufacturer on, on fuel efficiency, and also working with our communities and cities on uh, mobility. So how will people actually move? How are we going to move goods in the future, right? So all those three themes are important. So how are we going to drive these, uh, you know, really neat, innovative ideas with kind of government mandates, which we've seen come down? We saw Quebec, which has announced a ban on uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. We have the federal government with their net zero emission legislation, which still, you know, requires some clarity in terms of what that consists of being released last week as well. You know, we we have a challenge representing both of our industry associations in communicating to government that, you know, banning um, petroleum outright potentially isn't, you know, the solution, that there's a myriad of solutions that could help us reduce our emissions. How do you plan as CEO of your organization to kind of manage those conversations and make sure that we're at the table for many years to come? Yeah, I think the most important thing is, first of all, Jennifer, as you said, it, is we need to be at the table. Number two is we need to have the supply chain together because I don't want to be saying something like we can do this on the fuel side if the vehicle manufacturer, for example, cannot handle that energy. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that we're together. And then the third part of it is uh, is using our vision and, and having a conversation about what we see the impact of EVs for light duty vehicles by 2050 and the biofuels. Because Yes, on one side, governments are announcing bans, but on the other side, they're also announcing more biofuel production, like biodiesel. They're also announcing hydrogen strategy. They're, up, you know, so all of this to me seems to say that the government is also supporting the fact that we'll have multiple solutions in the future, mm-hmm. but we need the details. How do you think we communicate to Canadians so that they don't feel guilty about putting gas in their car? As we, as you well know, you know, there's been so many emission reduction initiatives at the refiner level, at the retail level that, you know, gasoline is a lot cleaner than it used to be. And certainly to your point with increased renewable fuel blends, it will become even more sustainable. And there are other options to throw into the mix as well. How do we communicate that to Canadians to really demonstrate that our industry can be part of that solution? I think we need a simple message, Jennifer. I, I think sometimes we we tend to overcomplicate our message and then mm-hmm. Canadian gets confused. I think we need to show leadership so they can see sometimes a simple graph, like a trend going down, and they can see that using gasoline today and tomorrow and 10 years from now that we're doing the right thing and, and GHG emissions are going down. So right. I think it's, it's, you know, it's, I think we need to be a little bit more um, clear and, uh, and not be afraid to, to share Canadians what our plans are in the future. So they feel good of continuing to use our products. Mm, I love that. You know, Bob, you've spent a lot of time working with government in your previous role. What lessons can you apply to the petroleum sector, especially when it comes to uh, what we've been talking about, our uh, advocacy efforts? Yeah, one thing I learned is that the the government will set the tone, if you want, or the direction. And I'll give you a perfect example. It's, it's the net, net zero legislation. But then what I learned when I was at government is, is we had the idea of the tone, but how to get there was not always easy for us. And I think what I really want to bring to the government is solutions to where they want to go. So we need to be a solution provider and when we collaborate and not just always um, questioning if you want uh, the decision. Right. No, I think that's really, really well informed as well. 
And you also, you get the opportunity to apply fresh eyes to our sector. I know you've been around the table, uh, around the CFA technical committee consultations, and you've had a lot of interactions with the sector from your previous role. But what are your immediate takeaways? You know, how do you think the sector can do a better job of, of future proofing its pitch to government and to consumers? Yeah, um, I was always very impressed by the technical capability of the associations. Um, actually, I was kind of jealous. They know their stuff. They know mm-hmm. how refinery works. They know fuel blends and how much sulfur and gasoline and, and very, very technical. Uh, but I think some of the involvement is the... Um, I'll call it the storytelling. Um, and sometimes we need to, to bring the technical aspect of, of our nature or our message and, and bring it to a level where we can tell our story to, to more departments, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So we can have conversation about uh, economic impact or investments or jobs, and, and we can talk to all the different departments and not just Environment Canada, for example. No, that's great. That's great. You're also coming in from a leadership perspective at a pretty challenging time. Obviously, we're grappling with the pandemic. That's no surprise to anybody. And CFA has a fairly uh, sizable team. What have been, you know, your challenges and opportunities in coming in as the new CEO and trying to bring on board the team and, and build morale at a time when it's it's very difficult to do so? Yes, uh, Jennifer, thank you for the question. Um, Zoom. Zoom meetings are <laughs> challenge, to be honest with you. I I still I haven't met any of our board members face to face. I have not met half my staff face to face, so didn't have a chance to get to know people on, on a more personal basis. And it was very challenging. Even one of the first decisions I had to make early on was um the second wave about to hit uh late September. And I started on September 8th. So COVID has really, really impacted how my initial idea was to join the association, like if I was a year ago. Yeah. But at the same time, my team has been great. Um, I was able to meet everyone, even if it was by Zoom uh, early on. And, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can with the technology. But uh, I can tell mm-hmm. you, it's not the same. It's not the same as, as no. meeting do you find it difficult then to kind of, because that's a challenge for sure. And that's just a challenge for anybody navigating a team right now. But, you know, do you find it difficult getting to know people and kind of building up that trust? I think, I think that the, my, my challenge is from a work perspective, I think, I think we're figuring it out. I think we're able yeah. to use the different technologies and prepare documents together and strategize. But I, I wish I knew the people more personal. I wish I know a little bit more what they do to have fun. And I think I, I, I was able to do that with some of them. We had a fun uh, Halloween lunch, for example, which was nice to get to know people. Um, but I need to, I want to do more. And with the Christmas season coming up and we know we can't really get together, you know, doing another one of those would be great. So that's kind of what I'm doing to get to know. And I, I saw your Zoom picture from your Halloween virtual party and everyone was dressed up. It was a lot of fun. So kudos to you uh, to kind of, you know, for trying to instill that fun in a time that's uh, very difficult to manage and very difficult to be working virtually as well. So that takes me to my next question, which is, you know, we've talked about your career and your insights, but what do you do for fun? Like when you go home at the end of the day, what drives your passion and, and you know, what, uh, what do you get up to? Pre or post COVID, but <laughs> <laughs> let's do both. Let's start with pre, and then and then we can talk about how that's morphed in COVID. Okay, um, I'm a huge sports fan. We're a huge sports family, and, and we like to travel a lot. So what we did for fun um, is my wife and I and, and the kids we challenge ourselves to go to every 
baseball and uh, football stadium. Oh, that's so, so fun. Yeah. So we've done about 20 uh, baseball stadiums and we've done about 10 football. And sometimes it's my wife and I, sometimes my kids come, they're, they're, they're fans too. So it's been very nice to plan long weekends or week-long vacation in, in cities that we typically would not have went. But, uh, you know, like we haven't been to Denver yet, but we're looking forward to it once the <laughs> pandemic is, uh, is done. I, I love that. So what, first of all, how old are your children and what's the most interesting city and stadium that you have uh, you visited? So I have a 25-year-old, 20-year-old, and 17-year-old. And uh, all this started because uh, early on when the kids were younger, we used to go to Florida, to Disney. Yeah. And um, look, team parks are fun for everyone, but uh, we needed some kind to do something different. So we ended up starting going to Tampa Bay to see the Tampa Bay Rays. Nice. And then, um, so my, my daughter started to be a Rays fan. And we were Yankee fans, so we're, <laughs> we're starting to get... Another one was... Um, a Boston Red Sox fan. So we're starting to get that, that family, uh, you know, uh, fun times with sports. Um, mm-hmm. So my wife and I are Yankee fans and we're Dallas Cowboys fan. And, and my, my, my son is named Troy after Troy Aikman, just to give you an idea. <laughs> you guys are hardcore. And my, my son grew up a huge Patriot fan. So he, he's a Patriot and my daughter's a Detroit Lions fan. Um, so yeah, when we go to different games, we want to make sure that, uh, we attend one of our teams in the family, uh, game. So it's always fun to see the schedule coming out and we're saying, okay, what are we going to do this year? <laughs> Where are we going to go? That's really, really fun. My yeah. kids are, they're a bit younger. They're seven and nine. And, uh, I think they've got a skewed view on the pandemic because all they want to do is go back to Disney world. And that is peak <laughs> of the pandemic ending for them. So, Correct. uh, we, we shall see. How has that morphed uh, in COVID? What are you doing to kind of keep sane outside of your work hours? Yeah, so we're, uh, we're, we've been big fan of teen nights, Jennifer. So um, I know you saw the Halloween party, but mm-hmm. we started doing uh, like a Marvel night where we all get dressed up as our favorite superhero or we've done a, a, a game night where we play different games. Um, we've also done uh, different restaurants we like and we, like we did Italian and we had some white cloth and, and my son and I were the waiters. So, so we're really trying at home to bring a different uh, vibe of if we were to travel, but because we can't, we bring it into the house. Um, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff we, we want to do to keep each other busy and, and as a family. So I think uh, COVID is, there's one thing, uh, you know, we're home with the family 24 seven. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's been nice to rekindle the relationship with the uh, the 25, 20 and 17 year old, which, you know, at that age, typically they want to leave the house, but, um, right. you know, because of COVID now they're stuck with mom and dad. So we're doing the best we can. That's uh that's really, really neat. We need a photo of you and your waiter outfit serving <laughs> to, uh, to accompany this podcast, Bob, not to get too philosophical, but what, uh, what do you want to be remembered for both as a professional and as a person? Yeah, that's uh Oh my God, Jennifer, that's a very good question. Um, I think part of me, uh, I want to be seen as a, as a leader um, and, and who I work for. I, I like to work for groups uh, where people are not afraid to take challenges and, and be creative. Um, I enjoyed my time at Environment Canada when I was able to, we launched the first online system in 2005. Oh, wow. um, you know, at the Force Product Association, we were able to launch a, a 30 by 30 challenge way back before the Paris Agreement was signed. 
So looking forward to working for organization or myself to keep pushing myself to be mm-hmm. creative and, and, and come up with innovative ideas. And also values like honesty um, and, and being honest with people, because I think it's, it's very important in, in our day-to-day life that people understand where we're coming from, that we're not afraid to share uh, our views. Um, and, and we also listen to other people. And I think mm-hmm. that's very, very important to me. Absolutely. No, I think those are really, really strong, strong values. Well, Bob, we really appreciate you being on the podcast today. And I, you know, can say from the bottom of my heart, I truly am looking forward to working with you and you bring a lot of energy and ideas and experience to the association. So I think there's a lot that collectively uh, we can do for the sector. So thanks very much for your time today. And uh, we appreciate it. No problem, Jennifer. And uh, thanks for the invite. It's always great to connect with yourself and uh, looking forward to the relationship too. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen and subscribe to Pump Chats anywhere you find your podcasts. Until next time.